pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's the second hour of A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS. You can join in on the phone, via text, or online. Our phone number is 217-356-9397. Or text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Or send an email to talk at wdws.com. Now, here again, Brian Barnhart. All right, hour number two of A Penny for Your Thoughts. It's 10-11, headed for a high of 76 today. A low of 49 tonight, 78 tomorrow, and then the uh, bottom drops a little bit, a high of 59 on Friday. So Saturday night's football game could be quite chilly, as they say. Uh, 60 degrees the high on Saturday, but a lot of sunshine. We're back on A Penny for Your Thoughts. Uh, had a couple of uh, things left over again. If you missed the uh, tax rebate discussion, because I had mentioned I got my rebate from the governor, here the other day, and you can go to tax.illinois.gov slash rebates if you have any questions on whether you're going to get one or not get one or whatever the case may be. Of course, we had some hail here recently, a roost by Roger, 46 years of experience. Roger Oakletree has. They've been in business uh, for 35-plus years. They have enhanced warranties. All new roofs come with a 50-year system warranty. If you're worried about the uh, expense, there is a down payment, uh, no down payment required. There is a, a payment plan. And for most folks, it's 100 to 200 per month for their roof with financing. So you can get it financed that way. Free estimates, residential and commercial. And we've told you about the uh, roof washing you can uh, take advantage of, too, that improves the look of your property and uh, maybe extend the life of your shingles and maybe extend the life of those shingles so you don't have to get a new roof right away. So um, make sure you check that out. Roof washing. Give them a call, 217-834-3800. Hey, Brian, we love the baseball games when I was young, too, but we couldn't listen to them in the farm and farming because the radio scared the horses. We were talking about baseball and uh, how farmers, John said farmers, tend to know a lot about baseball. Well, that's probably true. All right, uh, Jason Baum is our guest, and uh, he is with us. How are you? Jason, doing, doing good to well, see you, Judge Brian. Jason Baum. Good to see you. So as no, well. no, no court today, obviously. Well, I was uh, actually in court oh, before this, and I'll really? be back at eleven thirty. Really? So, yeah. so you just carved out the time for us I here. Did. Yeah. Well, that's very nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, how many cases do you hear? I mean, what's a typical day like for you? Yeah, I mean, it, it varies from day to day. Um, I am the civil call uh, primarily, so. Uh, when we have routine hearings, we could have 15 hearings in the morning or uh, the mortgage foreclosure calls a more heavy one. We could have 30 cases there. If we have more substantive uh, hearings, it could just be a handful. Hmm. Um, and then when we're in trial, it's that case the whole day. Yeah. So what time of day does your day start? Nine? Uh, I or? try to get there about 8.30. Okay. Um, uh, court, we usually don't start before nine, but uh, I'm usually okay. in the office before 8.30. Wow. Well, it's good to have you here, and of course, uh, some people may recognize you as the father of your uh, son, the quarterback <laughs> of Muhammad, right? Uh, yeah, 
Yeah, he's uh, <laughs> uh, pretty proud of him and proud of his team. And a mm-hmm. good thing he got his mother's athletic ability. <laughs> <laughs> well, he uh, I know he had a couple of picks the other night, but uh, Muhammad still won. So yep, yep. Uh, it was a great team win. Their defense uh, was uh, spectacular. Offense has been putting up uh, close to fifty, if not fifty, every game. So it's been a been a fun ride for yeah. sure. Uh, we I live in Muhammad too. They love their bulldogs. They do love their bulldogs. Senior so. night uh, this Friday. So uh-huh. um, is sure your son be, a senior? He is a senior. Yeah, okay. So I'm sure there'll be some Kleenex boxes on the sideline uh, <laughs> this week. Tell me about your wife, Caroline. Uh, she uh, grew up in Kentucky, um, mm-hmm. so she uh, bled blue until I brought her here. When I was in law school, and now she yeah. bleeds blue and orange, so that's uh, good. Yeah, so you went to the U of I law school. I did, got, yep. got a degree from Yeah, we there. met in undergrad uh, at Taylor University in Indiana. But, okay. Uh, I had a nephew that went there. Okay. Was a pitcher there. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in uh, Upland, Indiana, famous yep. for Ivanhoe's ice cream is there, so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, now would you, would you would you have been in the law school about the t- are you younger than Josh Whitman or is that are you similar age to Josh? Uh, so I graduate I'm not sure the year he graduated um but I was there from 01 to 03. Okay. Yeah, cause that would have been right about the time he finished he, playing football. Yeah, I think then, he might have been behind me, and then I believe, if memory serves, which I could be incorrect, that he clerked in the Seventh Circuit afterwards, mm-hmm. uh, and I clerked in St. Louis. Yeah. So, who were some of your professors there? Uh, Andy there? Leopold, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, we still keep in contact. Uh, and then uh, Carlos Ball was a professor. Uh, Richard Kaplan, uh, John Colombo. Mm-hmm. So some good names there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Judge Jason Baum is with us. A lot of topics to get to with him besides sports and uh, this and that. But certainly um, one of the things that's come up, of course, has been uh, the Safety Act and cash bail and all of that. And you're in a judge's role. Yep. Uh, any thoughts on it? What do you think is going to happen? Do we know for I, sure? I, I mean, or? I I don't think uh, with any new system you don't really know until you experience it. So there will certainly be bumps in the road. Uh, as there is with any new system. I think Judge Olmstead has done an excellent job for all of us judges in keeping on top of it. Um, and it'll affect his call the most. He sits mm-hmm. over arraignment court, which is where that issue would arise uh, primarily. Mm-hmm. Um, there may be uh, – one of the difficulties is there's still talks of uh, amendments. And I know Senator Bennett here has proposed some amendments. So mm-hmm. the practicalities of it are uh, – I don't think we know until we know. I will say that uh, I was a federal prosecutor for a decade before becoming a judge, and we didn't have a cash bail system there. Um, and it is a workable system, but there are certainly going to be kinks that need to be worked yeah. out. For people that aren't as familiar, and I'm certainly not, uh, how it typically works when a judge sets bail. Right. Talk about how that works. What goes into that decision? Sure. And then how will it, you know, going um, forward, you know? Well, how it works now is mm-hmm. uh, what the allegations are, uh, mm-hmm. what type of case it is, what the history uh, of the defendant is, and um, the amount uh, that you think will guarantee uh, appearance in court and the safety of the public. Mm-hmm. That uh, is a sliding scale, obviously. The, under the new system, it would be more of a binary choice, uh, detained, pretrial, or not detained, mm-hmm. with far fewer uh, offenses being detainable offenses. Right now, every new case, you have to make that determination uh, under the Safety Act. Only certain cases are detainable offenses. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that would be the biggest change. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, just yeah. The, I think Basically. the binary uh, detained or not detained is obviously mm-hmm. the biggest change between yeah. here's an amount that we think. Well, I've known uh, Judge Olmstead a while. I've known Brett for the, several years, so yeah. he's keeping you updated yeah, on that. Very, yeah, obviously incredibly intelligent, uh, great judge, and uh, he's done a, a good service for the judiciary and the citizens of Champaign County throughout mm-hmm. this. Uh, let me ask you, too, and for people that don't know, you succeeded um, Mike Jones yes, and Judge Jones, of course, for many years. Yes. So you're basically doing what he was doing. Yes, uh, I uh, have the exact same call that Judge Jones. I took it over when he retired. and mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So. so what are typical cases, without getting into specifics, what are things you generally Yeah, my typical cover? call are civil lawsuits uh, where the amount is over $50,000 in contest. So breaches of contract, negligence cases, whether that's... Uh, a car accident uh, or a slip and fall case or uh, professional negligence, medical malpractice, um, breaches of contract, as I said. Uh, those are the primary uh, causes of action that lead to a civil case. It's basically two, two people who have a disagreement, and the amount of that disagreement, the damages are over $50,000. Mm-hmm. I know Mike Jones told me that uh, I think he was uh, at the courthouse at his time. He shared an office with uh, Judge Blockman, yes. who did family court. Yes. So and I, and, when and, I started, it was I took over Judge Jones's office, and Judge Rosenbaum had taken over Judge Blockman's office. Okay. Uh, things have shuffled office-wise since then. I now share with uh, Judge Weber. And he always said uh, what uh, what he always told me, Judge Jones, was that he had the you know while it was personal because it was financial, said the the family law judges really those are tougher cases because it's so personal divorce sure. court, all that happens with custody and uh, child time and everything else. Yeah, it's a I, lot tougher. I, um, I think obviously the money uh, it's not unpersonal many yeah. times, but mm-hmm. uh, things that affect our daily life. Uh, you know, we see folks that are coming to the courthouse aren't coming usually because they want to be there and they're in <laughs> tough circumstances. Uh, so, uh, and unfortunately, our job is, requires that usually uh, at least 50% of the people leaving our courtroom are disappointed with the outcome. So, mm-hmm. uh, it can be uh, the human element. While I love that part of the job, it can be a, a tricky one to handle. Yeah. What do you enjoy the most about? Yeah. The, the- I, what I enjoy the most about it is learning about new things that I'd never heard of uh, before that. The civil case gives you such a, a, a broad array. Uh, so, for instance, uh, I was reading about rebar and concrete uh, this morning getting okay. ready for a case, uh, which I don't know much about and how you test whether the rebar is in the right position. Uh, or when it comes to a medical malpractice case, you read about uh, and learn about medical procedures you might not know much about. So just being able to learn the mm-hmm. reading and the writing aspect of the civil call, I really do yeah. enjoy that. Part. How much – I've always been wondering about this. Uh, how much time do you – like I prep for a game. Sure. How much prep do you do – I mean, because you'll see a judge, okay, I'll come back and render my decision. Yeah. But how de- much prep have you done up till then? Uh, it depends you, on the case and yeah, the hearing. Yeah. I uh, th- There was a – I had a trial set – Oh, probably six months ago that I locked myself in a room. There were 18 motions. Uh, The amount of pages I read, I did the math because I was a math major, uh, (laughs) was about 700. So just consuming that amount of uh, information and then being able to digest it and give a coherent uh, ruling is pretty intensive. Now there's other cases that... uh, uh, 
the the prep is far lower. Mm-hmm. So it mm-hmm. just depends on the case and the hearing. Yeah. In your the cases you are there predominantly no juries? No, they're predominantly are, uh, they mostly are, are juries. Okay. Um, okay. Th- it's rare. Uh, lots of civil cases settle. Uh, mm-hmm. People come to resolutions short of trial. But if we go to trial, it is a jury case. And COVID has backed us up, obviously backed everything up. And the first thing to kind of unclog was the criminal docket. Um, and now we're catching up on the civil docket. So the rest of this year and the early part of next year is pretty uh, loaded mm-hmm. with trials. Circuit Judge uh, Jason Baum is with us here for the hour. And if you have some questions, we do have a question for you here. So we'll have you grab your headsets there. Uh, Edmund is with us here this morning with Judge Jason Baum. Go ahead, Edmund. Yes, I'd like to ask the judge. I think he uh, pretty much answered the my first question regarding like uh, percentage, you know, how, uh, uh, how many people choose a jury trial over a bench trial, you know, where uh, the judge makes the decision. And so, and second, uh, I, I have this other question regarding, uh, like, uh, court costs. If you get sued and, let's say, you know, somebody's, you know, filed a frivolous suit or something, can you, and they lose, can you get the, the cost that you might incur defending yourself or uh, from them or you have to counter sue? You know, I, I don't know if there was any, any provision for that. And the, the third, uh, or the, the other part is responsibility. If you're just like an ordinary working person and let's say you see, uh, you know, something, you know, a potential accident, you know, waiting to happen and everything, okay, uh, what, you know, the moral thing is to try to, you know, alert the, the bosses, you know, whoever, you know, whoever your superior is or try to fix it your, yourself there. But is there a, a greater responsibility for the higher ups to one, know about these things uh, beforehand and uh, uh, versus kind of, you know, kind of being conveniently clueless, as I call it, and everything. Uh, so, you know, what what would be the uh, the responsibility and everything like that there, you know, in terms of, you know, it, it does it, is there a greater responsibility on the part of the, of the supervisors or versus the ordinary, you know, people and everything in terms hmm. of, you know, being able to, so those are basically my, my questions and everything, so. All right. Okay. Very good. Thanks, Edmund. Let me. I'll appreciate uh, it. I'll start with uh, the question on court costs. There are uh, provisions that you can recover if something's frivolous. Uh, attorneys' fees and court costs. Uh, in many cases, that comes down to the discretion of uh, the judge and uh, whether there was a bona fide dispute or not. So there are mechanisms that you could recover that. With respect to uh, responsibility, uh, that's a question that comes up in every negligence case, which is what duty is owed uh, and who has the duty. And uh, the caller's correct that it does depend on things like authority, responsibility. Um, what does your job entail? Do you have the duty uh, to make sure something, uh, an accident isn't waiting to happen? That would depend on your job responsibilities. Uh, so that's a Case by case and a, a factual scenario by factual scenario, but responsibility or legal uh, liability flows from how much duty is owed by the person to correct the situation that they see in front of yeah. them. Yeah, and that's the kind of cases that you deal with. Right, every yeah, day. that comes yeah. up in almost every <laughs> negligence case is yeah. uh, what's the duty owed here? Uh, is there a duty owed here? And then from that you... Uh, uh, yeah. can determine what liability is potentially there. Yeah. Is there is there a range in liability typically? Are we talking a few hundred thousand dollars, millions? I mean, it's I just mean, what it, do the damages, uh, what's compensable damages, to the minimum amount to get into the uh, 
there's small claims for under 50,000 to okay. get into uh, what we call major civil that's 50,000 or more and then the or more is just dependent on what damages were incurred and what's going to be the amount of money to compensate for those damages. Yeah. What's the biggest one you've ever dealt with? In the tens of millions was the biggest really, one. Really, yeah. tens of millions. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's some serious money. <laughs> that's, a, and some, that's some serious damage. Yes, that's right. 1026, Judge Jason Baum is with us. Back with our judge here. If you have some questions, comments, thoughts, uh, you're welcome to join us. Back in a moment. Ten thirty. Judge Jason Baum is with us, Sixth Judicial Circuit, Circuit Judge. And I guess there is a difference between a circuit judge and an associate judge. Is that right? What's there is? Uh, the, circuit judges are uh, elected uh, by the voters, and then the circuit judges select uh, associate judges. Okay. Okay, but you had to run once, right? You I were did. appointed. I was appointed in 2018 to replace Judge Jones's retirement, and then I ran in 2020 to uh, remain a circuit judge. Okay, and then it's every six years yeah. retention thereafter. And I've always thought that's a little. And I've talked to the sheriff about this and others, where you're doing a job, and yet, as it turns out, you still have to at least once you have to run. Yeah, and uh, that's and, always and, and and the judicial job should be anything but partisan. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Which makes it uh, awkward to run then uh, as as a partisan or on a partisan ticket um, when the job has nothing to do with politics or ought not to have anything yeah. to do with. Yeah, and politics. it shouldn't. Yeah, you're you're just deciding cases. I mean, that's, that's right. what it's about. All right, so uh, the judge Obama is with us. You were just in Decatur. I was in Decatur yes, yesterday. So, so you do court, travel yes. a little bit. Yeah, we uh, the sixth judicial circuit is six counties: uh, Macon, Dewitt, Pyatt. Douglas, Moultrie, and Champaign. Uh, I primarily sit in Champaign, but when there are, uh, for some reason, judges in another county might know litigants or couldn't preside over the case, then we do travel and have mm -hmm. done uh, a case in every county, I believe, but Piatt at this point. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, let's see here. got a question. Can your decisions be appealed? Sure. Uh, yeah. Judges' decisions can be appealed. Uh, now, the decision has to be in the civil context. It has to be a final and uh, appealable decision. So, for instance, if you ruled on a uh, an evidentiary matter, but it didn't end the case, you couldn't just appeal that decision. Mm -hmm. There are mechanisms for what they call interlocutory appeals that happen in the middle of a case. But if you analogize it to a sporting event, uh, you can't appeal every ball and strike call, but you can appeal uh, the outcome of the game uh, at mm -hmm. the end of it. Okay. And that's where a, a Justice Steigman or someone like that comes sure, in yeah. at the, the appellate so, level. And now uh, we that w he's on the 4th District, and that's where Champaign used to have appeals heard. Uh, it was changed. We're now in the 5th District, so it would go to Mount Vernon, uh, and they would hear the appeals mm -hmm. from anything that happens in the 6th Circuit. Right. All right. Uh, Judge Jason Baum is with us. Uh, hi, Brian and Jason. The Bulldogs are such an explosive team. An awesome job to Wyatt your son yeah and his team for an outstanding season this friday night is senior night frank dutton field go bulldogs so yeah that's uh weighing in on your son there so. yeah yeah we uh, uh i would uh we're proud of him but i'd kind of 
there is a part of me that just wants him to be able to live his own life without his dad kind of <laughs> hanging over him a little bit. Yeah, and you've got other children? I do have yeah. three boys. Three boys. Yep. Well, He's the oldest. Busy household. It is a very yeah. busy household. I bet. All right, let me get to the news real quick. Brought to you by Blaine's Farm and Fleet, your ag headquarters, helping you get the job done right with farm supplies and equipment, fencing, feed, and more. Wisconsin-based and family-owned since 1955. Here's CBS, back with a judge here in a moment. Ten thirty-five. On a penny for your thoughts. MX Electric, one of our sponsors. Max is the man. Two one seven three five nine seventy two ninety three. If you need some electrical work done, he did some stuff. His company did for my dad down at the farm there west of Tolono. And if he wants uh, whatever the need is, big, small, or in between, when it comes to electricity, maybe you said think about some outdoor lighting for Christmas, Halloween, or whatever the case may be. MX can uh, get. That done for you. They have generators if you need those. You saw the generators they were hoping to work down in Florida. Some did, some didn't uh, with the hurricane. But anyway, if you need that done, uh, MX Electric, 217-359-7293. Pleased to be joined by Judge Jason Baum, a judge here in the uh, 6th Judicial Circuit in uh, Champaign County. Uh, let me go to the phones here, and we'll see what Herb has to say. And uh, Herb joins us this morning with judge Baum. how you doing herb i'm doing good brian i just got a couple of quick questions uh, oh we lost you go ahead um yeah judge will uh, will a judge does a judge get to hear uh prior bad acts before they make a decision on releasing or not releasing the criminal typically yes we are given the uh we're given the criminal history uh, of an individual, uh, a lot of times that's an incomplete uh, because um, we know what the the prosecutor tells us. So uh, obviously as a case goes along, uh, that information becomes uh, clearer and uh, perhaps more accurate, but we are given uh, what the prosecutor uh, relays as the prior criminal history prior to making a, a bond decision. Okay. Mm-hmm. If, if they do away with cash bail, will a judge still be able to detain people, like put them in jail, say no release, or will that go away also? Uh, under the current uh, uh, proposal, there will still be detainable offenses, and people will still be detained uh, if they pose a, a, a serious risk. Uh, to others, uh, or if there is, uh, for instance, evidence of non-appearance. So if someone, uh, think of, someone's going to flee the country to avoid prosecution, uh, that type of thing, it could still be detainable. So it's not as though there won't be detention, it's just Mm -hmm. that uh, there won't be a cash bail set for uh, detainable offenses. Okay, thank you. Okay, thank you. And is the type of offense, does that affect that? To, um, yes, uh, so there, there'll be uh, the, the the act outlines the offenses that are detainable and offenses that are not detainable. Mm-hmm. Uh, so some offenses that it will just be a matter of 
uh, setting conditions of release, um, mm-hmm. but it's not a detainable offense. Two one seven three five six nine three nine seven is our number. Judge Jason Baum is with us here on a penny for your thoughts. Who are some of the uh, mentors for you, judges you looked up to, or you? Still stay in touch with or get advice from or whatever? Sure. So uh, Judge Bernthal is probably the first name that comes to mind. I was a federal prosecutor in his court. He was the federal magistrate here uh, and appeared in front of him on a a routine basis. The judge I clerked for, Donald Storr in St. Louis, also had a a profound impact on me. Uh, And then I appeared – I started my career – in Chicago and didn't really appear in front of judges much. It was a large law firm, but then once I became a federal prosecutor in Springfield, Judge Gene Scott and uh, Judge Mills over there, and then here it was Judge McCuskey mm-hmm. uh, and Judge Bernthal. Uh, Judge Baker as well. So uh, I was fortunate. I've been fortunate to practice in front of a lot of good judges and uh yeah, they've had a – Judge Bernthal's had a profound impact on me, yeah. for sure. Well, there's always – there's this talk about judicial temperament. Yeah. And it's something you would learn from them, I guess, and, and, right? And, and Judge Bernthal should be in the uh, dictionary next to judicial temperament <laughs> really? because He's, he, he yeah. had an excellent uh, temperament. But you know, judges are human, and yeah. uh, maintaining that uh, isn't always easy, but uh, mm-hmm. we should be as dispassionate uh, about the cases in front of us as we can be and make sure everybody – uh, feels like they're being heard fairly and treated fairly. Yeah. Well, and I think too that would be if you if as you're watching attorneys make their case, you know, I, this for me from a human standpoint, you'd be going, well, that person's doing a good job, and that person's probably not. Uh, but I mean, is that is that yeah, part think, of the human equation? I guess, and, and especially as you, for me, when I moved from being a lawyer to a, a judge in 2018. There is a vast difference between being a player and being an umpire. Yeah. And uh, as an umpire, you don't uh, it's not your pitch to throw. You don't know if it's a fastball or a breaking ball. Yeah. You know maybe what you would throw, but it's not your pitch to throw. So that's not part of the equation. Um, but it, it is a different skill set, and I, I hope that temperamentally I've mm-hmm. – uh, I'm well disposed to this job. Yeah, because the, the, you do get graded on that. I mean, that's part of the yeah, sure. Like uh, the judicial temperament yeah. uh, and being fair uh, to all sides is absolutely something that uh, comes up in judicial evaluation. Because yeah. I think the end result you want is no matter how the litigants feel about how it turned out, right? You want them to walk away and say, "Well, I may not agree with what he did." But I felt like I got a fair shot. Yeah, one yeah. of the most uh, one of the first cases I worked on as a lawyer, and it, and it really did stick with me to this day, was uh, a case in St. Louis. It was uh, a medical malpractice case where the the doctor uh, couldn't stand the patient because he believed he was threatening his career. The patient couldn't stand the doctor because he thought he had uh, hurt him. But they trusted the system enough to resolve that dispute peacefully as opposed to fighting about it in the streets or settling it some Mm -hmm. other way. So that's what we want is a judiciary where people trust that their disputes, regardless Mm -hmm. of the outcome, will be fairly heard and a Mm -hmm. just outcome will prevail. And not only the litigants, but the attorneys themselves. Absolutely. Attorneys want to know uh, what to expect. you don't want to go in uh, not knowing. You want consistency. You want fairness, and you want to be heard uh, without being yelled at. Mm-hmm. That's right. All right, let's go uh, back to the phones here at ten forty-two. Joe's with us. How you doing, Joe? Hello. Uh, I got a question. I don't. I don't know if he can answer, but anyway, 
as the laws change for as the laws change for people, somebody that's accompanying somebody to a crime and and they let people get by with stuff. I mean, the way I always understood is if you was accompanied with somebody, regardless of whether you knew or not, and they committed a crime, you're you're tried as an accessory. Isn't that correct? Thank you, Joe. Well, it does depend on uh, the state of mind. You, if you aid and abet uh, an offense, uh, so the getaway driver of a robbery, absolutely you're liable for uh, the principal's actions. But uh, if you're totally ignorant, uh, you're just driving a friend somewhere and they commit a crime you had no idea of, uh, you probably would not have what the law calls the mens rea uh, to be mm-hmm. guilty there. Hmm. Yeah, there was even a case today uh, in the paper about a 17-year-old on probation for murder roll, the Lyft driver's death, where this young man apparently uh, threw the gun. He wasn't involved in the actual shooting, but he threw the gun on a roof, I guess, and they got him for obstruction, uh, charged him with that, and I guess he's going to testify against one of the other defendants. So again, yeah, it depends on you, you can be guilty uh, if you know beforehand and you help someone uh, commit a crime. You can also, if you help cover up a crime after the fact uh, as well. But, again, it depends on what's what they can prove is in the mind of the, uh, the individual. Mm-hmm. J- uh, Judge Jason Baum is with us here till the uh, top of the hour, 1044. Let me get another break in. Some more questions have come in for our judge back after this. Ten forty-seven on a penny for your thoughts. Judge Jason Baum with us here for a few more minutes, and he's got another case to get to. Eleven eleven thirty. Eleven thirty. Got to be. Put the roll back on, and yes, sir. Wow. Okay. Two one seven three five six nine three nine seven. Appreciate you coming by here uh, today. Uh, by the way, you mentioned uh, your dad was a hog farmer near. Yeah, my dad. Uh, when I hmm. grew up on a hog farm, and he. Uh, a lot of his hogs were in a little town called Milledgeville, which isn't far from Prophetstown, where another uh, guy here in town's dad is a hog farmer. Brad so, Bielema, yeah. Yeah, small wow. world. Did they know each other? Do you know? I don't know. Okay. Uh, I don't know. They probably did <laughs> in, that, in that area. Uh, could the judge explain the Safety Act in relationship to the appeal of the judge's ruling to hold an accused person to, in jail rather than allow their release without bail? And who represents the accused at the appellate level if they appeal? So there is a mechanism now uh, that uh, allows for the appeal of that decision, unlike what is currently existing. Uh, and just like any other case, if someone is indigent, the uh, the appellate defender's office would represent them on appeal. Of course, uh, you can hire your own lawyer to represent you on appeal, but you are entitled to counsel uh, uh, on appeal as well. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the Safety Act, and I know uh, Scott Bennett's on with us tomorrow, and Julia Reitz, and they'll go in a little more in depth on all this. But I know when the original bill passed, it was late in the night, as people have said, in the morning, and there's been some changes proposed. I know Scott's talk about his proposals, but uh, they've been talking to judges to try to figure out, right? Yeah, the, I believe uh, I believe there's been discussion uh, throughout the state uh, mm-hmm. between legislators and uh, the judiciary in uh just trying to clarify and understand uh, and prepare for uh, yeah. a- applying this law. Applying the law, yeah, because it's one thing to pass a law. It's another, okay, now what do we do with it? Sure, and, and, and there's always – uh, 
you don't know what you don't know. And uh, with any law, uh, there's usually gaps in it that you don't foresee uh, and has to get worked out uh, practically once it's uh, implemented. Unforeseen circumstances or situations. Sure. Uh, 1049 at uh, DWS on a penny for your thoughts. We've got the uh, judge with us here until 11 o'clock. Let me get another break in real quick. We'll come back our final segment with uh, Judge Baum. We'll let him go back to work here after <laughs> this. Hang on. Back on a penny for your thoughts. A couple of minutes to go here. 10.53 with Judge Jason Baum. We appreciate his time today. The folks at Hutchcraft Van Service, over 50 trucks, vans, and trailers. They're at 1614 North Lincoln in Urbana. You've, you've heard them around. They've been around forever. Hutchcraft Van Service started decades ago and then uh, got lined up with United Van Lines in 1953, Orrin and Gerald. And the rest, as they say, is history. They specialize in local moves as well as across-border moves. In Illinois, local movers at Hutchcraft provide the best value for your efficient moves. And they're able to customize our services to encompass any part of a move. Whether it's uh, household goods relocation, international military relocation, office relocation, short-term and summer storage for students, they can do it all. At uh, Hutchcraft Van Service, they're in Urbana. They also have a location in Normal, but here in Urbana, they're at Lincoln Avenue. And uh, make sure as they team up with United Van Lines, they get you the best service. So good folks over there, family, long-time business, long-time uh, advertiser, really, on the radio. All right, Judge Baum is with us for a few more minutes. Steve is up next. How you doing, Steve? Good, good. I hope you're doing well as well. Yes, very uh, good. I've been waiting the whole show hoping somebody would ask these questions for me. Um, I'm older, but I talk to people that are much younger. I'm 68. And with this new safety act or whatever, <clears throat> the bail or no bail or detain or not detain, there are a lot of people that are under the assumption, and I hope that they're wrong. I, I, I tell them in this world it can't be true, that there are there's a possibility that there could be a murder or a violent crime, and that person might end up back out on the street relatively quickly. Now, is it is that in any way possible i mean i'm talking you know just because somebody doesn't kill you just because they just beat the tar out of you i mean can a judge say eh, okay yeah we'll see you in you know a month uh right. in a murder i can't imagine that happening um uh, now i know like here just recently there was a couple neighbors that got into it south of us here i believe and that was between two guys and you know, you know, rage or whatever. And if it was a clean history, you know, I, you know, I don't know, that would be a gray area for me, but with a lot of the crime that we have, it's, you know, it's, it's total strangers or it's, you know, somebody that's really got a beef and you know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. So in, in, in this world, is there any chance that somebody could commit murder or a violent crime against someone else and then walk the streets relatively quickly? Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I think. Thank uh, you, Steve. Uh, I would. The practical. Uh, would a murderer uh, get out? Uh, that's fairly unlikely. Uh, pre Safety Act, post Safety Act. The the difference is um, pre Safety Act. It is uh, possible when it's a monetary amount. If someone can post that amount, then they would be released uh, under the 
new system. Detained is detained until you go to trial. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the practical reality is uh, in, in a murder scenario, it is unlikely to be different pre or post. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does, uh, again, at the time you're making this uh, detained decision, these are allegations. They aren't proven beyond a reasonable doubt. Uh, and there are rights that go along with uh, not being convicted mm-hmm. of a crime. Yeah. It's a different standard. Uh, so, but the practical reality to the could a murderer be released? Uh, I would think the practical reality is it's unlikely now, and it's unlikely unlikely uh, then after. Yeah, because some cases, and maybe I've watched too much TV, but <laughs> you'll have someone who has a lot of money, is wealthy. Well, they can just pay the bond no matter how high the bond is they just pay it yeah, right you know, you know. right um now uh, that would usually be taken in, in the system we have now uh the amount that a person is able to post is something you should consider um but in many bond cases the the reality is that any amount is too much for uh mm-hmm. folks so um i i don't i i, I guess i would like to uh reassure him that thing i don't i don't think i guess brian i would say i don't think uh the wheels are going to fall off uh the way that maybe uh the extremes uh would want us to believe most people most judges most prosecutors most defense attorneys want a fair system where they understand what the rules are and apply it equally across the board um I'm somewhat skeptical that Armageddon, one way or the other, is mm-hmm. about to fall upon us. Yeah. Well, you get into political season, then it becomes a whole other ball game. I mean, right. what people focus on. Right. And that's what happened. Hey, it's been great to visit with you. Yeah. Thank you, great Jason. To visit, Good luck uh, to you and you your family. Well. And, Thank you. And. Uh, yeah. Uh, enjoy homecoming this weekend, and yeah. hopefully uh, a good result for the Illini. we got a big game. Yeah. Yep. Are, you, are you able to go to games? You get uh, uh, We are. Uh, we've been visiting some schools uh, on Saturdays this weekend or this uh, fall, So, um, and I'm in a wedding this Saturday, so oh. I, I won't be at the game, although oh. I think some of my family will be. <laughs> okay. Well, you can listen while the – get your right. earbud ready. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, Jason, good to see you. Good to see you. you. Thank you. Appreciate the time. Thank you. All right, we'll let him go back to work. 10.59, we've got uh, the news coming up here in about 15 seconds. And again, more on the Safety Act tomorrow with these kind of questions. Scott Bennett in the 9 o'clock hour, Julia Reitz at 10. So we'll dig into it big time tomorrow. WDWS Champaign-Urbana, thanks for being with us. We'll talk to you tomorrow.